You're listening to Love, Mary Jane, a big talk podcast helping relationships thrive in the modern cannabis culture. I'm Joanna Newding, a cannabis lifestyle guide, published relationship writer, and host of Casually Baked, the podcast. And on Love, Mary Jane, I'm your armchair life coach. Oh, that I'm asking, just a little phone call. If you're at a crossroads and the intersection is cannabis and relationships, put it in park. You're in the right place. So give me what you got. Engage by submitting your story and cannabis-infused relationship questions at lovemaryjane.net. Each episode of Love, Mary Jane will feature a letter seeking advice or insight into a relationship affected by cannabis. Romantic, familial, professional, personal, nothing is off-limits. Wherever you're struggling, I will hand-select a friend, colleague, or expert that feels appropriate to join me in the studio to help me empower you to make the best decision. This is Love, Mary Jane. Dear Mary Jane, I recently began dating a wonderful man. The only issue is that he is a recovering addict and has been sober now for three years. I smoke weed every day, and I have been too scared to tell him. Every time he comes over, I hide all of my supplies. I know that I'm being irrational, but do you have any suggestions as to how I can bring this up now without threatening his sobriety or having him judge me? Sincerely, hiding in the weeds. So to help tackle this hot topic, I called up an old flame. Joining me for today's session is Ben Williams. He's been sober for 14 years. During that time, he's had some mind-bending career changes, from inpatient treatment facilities to wineries. He was one of the first employees at The Phoenix, a nonprofit helping people recovering from substance abuse develop an active lifestyle, where he taught rock and ice climbing. Today, we'll lean on Ben's experience navigating the relationships in his life to help our friend hiding in the weeds. Hi, Ben. Hey, Joanna. I know you love giving his advice as much as I do. So thanks for being here. It's a pleasure. So what do you think, what your your initial thoughts about our friend hiding in the weeds? Well, I, I mean, first off, I, I have to congratulate hiding in the weeds for taking the time to think about how this impacts a partner. I mean, um, shows that you're a caring person and you worry about it specifically uh, in her letter. I assume her. You know what? That was one thing that I thought about too, was I'm not sure. So I was kind of just going to use the they. Yeah. You know what? Um, I I like, I like the high weeds hiding in the weeds. I was going high weeds in my head. That's how I kept referring to her. Okay. Him, her person. Okay. Hiding in the weeds uh, specifically said in their letter, how can I bring this up without threatening his sobriety? So, I mean, kudos right there that, that you care enough about the person's sobriety and you recognize that it's an important thing for them. So rather than just an inconvenience for you in your life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And recognizing that it's, that it's uh, an important part of that person's life, you know? Um, and the fact that they just recently started dating and it's like, this is a big deal. So this person sees potential, but they're like, okay, wait a minute. I need to pump the brakes. I did something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I'm, uh, you know, I'm flooded with all this, like, you know, I want to leap to, Saying, well, m- make sure you do this and don't do that. And, and you know, and all the things uh, that I think I felt myself early on, mm-hmm. the need to kind of explain away a lot of those things. Um, 
but uh, you know, we'll, we'll sort of take it as it comes here. And uh, um, I think the, the the biggest thing right off the bat is to recognize that, as with any quality relationship, it's usually based on quality communication. You know. Yes. And if that's going to be the premise of how you want to have a good relationship through good communication, um, you know, it's got to be around this too. And so it's got to be around, you know, good communication requires honesty and openness and integrity. And, you know, so hiding in the weeds, you smoke. That doesn't make you a bad person. That's what you do. I mean, I don't. It's not my deal. But um, Well, and frankly, I have to say that anyone who smokes as frequently as I do or as frequently as hiding in the weeds seems to, anyone that comes into their home is going to be able to smell a hint of that. I mean, did you when you walked into my space? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can smell it for sure. I, I think I'm sometimes more sensitive to those smells than other people are. But um, Which also goes to prove my point. Like, yeah. I think this guy likes hiding in the weeds regardless. And so I think for some people it, you know, it doesn't matter, but the conversation definitely needs to be had sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really what it comes down to is, is, is the same thing you'd question in a relationship, no matter what the topic is, is like, is this a point of incompatibility? Is this such a roadblock? And the answer is going to be different for every relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, I can say most assuredly that for me in a relationship with someone like, no, if someone smokes weed, that is not a point of incompatibility. That's not a roadblock we can't, you know, get over. It's not even a roadblock for me, but mm -hmm. it absolutely is for someone else. So I think it's just respecting the fact that each decision is going to be a very personal decision between the two people in the relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and well, so, so let me stop you for a second. So that's yeah. not a roadblock for you now at 14 years right. in. Yeah. Was it a roadblock for you three years in? Fair question. Um, maybe. Uh, I, I'll say that my thought process was different around it. No, it wasn't a roadblock. It wasn't immediately like, oh, you, know, you smoke, you drink. I, I can't talk to you. I can't, be, I can't have you in my life. Um, I think early on what it really was for me was – I felt the need to explain my situation in as much detail as possible, as quickly as I could, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that would always come up very early in relationships. You know, I would, uh, you know, I would meet someone and we'd kind of hit it off and, you know, we'd go out for dinner and they'd be like, Oh, do you want a beer? And I'm like, no, no, I'm good. And I, uh, I actually, I don't drink. And they'd be like, really? And I'd be like, yeah, let me give you my whole life story right now. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I had this insecurity that mm -hmm. I had to justify it, you know. Um, as with most things, like insecurity, when you, you know, overcome it, usually turns into ego for a period of time. So I'd say like after three years, like three to six, it was more like a little badge of pride. Like, yeah, I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't care that you do, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's definitely different now. Um, but even during those times, um, I dated people that were sober like me and I dated people who weren't. And as long as... I was very open with that person as long as they were very open with me. It's. You Did know, you find it was easier to be in a relationship with someone who too was sober or was that really um, not a factor? Loaded question because, yeah. it, you know, <laughs> depends on the time. I mean, I okay. mean uh, it, it, when, when I was early in sobriety, uh, you know, I was in 
relationships with other people who are also early in sobriety, which is probably highly ill-advised yeah, just I, in general. <laughs> so I so early cover. on, probably probably not. It was probably the other way. Later on, you know, I've, I've dated people who had 10 plus years sober. And, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, for me, being sober, as long as I have been working on myself for a long time, um, and it did for other people in sobriety as well. There were certain th- certain conversations we could kind of fast track through because we both were very quick to you know uh, see, understand, and respect each other's opinions, differences, opinions, character defects, all the whole nine yards, right. and, and just and just move through it pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I don't think people who haven't had to like forcibly go through a time of like deep self reflection like that mm-hmm. probably haven't had to do that to that level. Yeah. Um, so it just depends on the time again. Yeah, I, I think you know w- one of the things I, I I worry about for hiding in the weeds is is letting the anxiety of the conversation build up. This doesn't have to be an anxiety inducing conversation, you know, because let's face it, you, you you met this guy who's awesome and you're all about him and he's great and you're worried that you smoking is going to change the possibility of this relationship working out. If it does, if if that person is in a position where they are not comfortable being with someone who smokes, okay. And it's better to know that right now. You want to get you want to get on that pretty or, quick. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to you don't want to build a relationship for six months, also PS kind of lying or or at least hiding, keeping something in the dark about mm-hmm. who you are, keeping a part of you compartmentalized away from your partner. Yeah. You know, that's not honest to yourself. That's not honest to your partner. No, it feels terrible. Yeah, it's awful. Um and, uh, you know, you'd rather get that conversation out of the way quickly, you know? Um, uh, so now, so let's think about that conversation then. So if we, you know, if we're going to give hiding in the weeds advice, like, okay, you, how do we broach that conversation? What would be something that someone could tell you in a way that would feel approachable and you don't sure. feel like you'd been the wool pulled over your eyes? Right, right. You know, I think I think it. You start with why you want to have the, this conversation. You know, hiding in the weeds is in a position where they respect their partner and they want to have this conversation with them. So you start with that. I really respect you. You know, I I, I like you. I'm attracted to you. Obviously, you know these things, but I respect you. You know, um, and that's something that builds. That's not something that's given. You know, you mm-hmm. might see an attractive person on the street and you're like, whoa, showstopper. You know, but until you get to know someone, you can't truly respect them the way you can until you build time with that person, you know? Mm-hmm. So you start with, with the respect piece. Like I, I, I respect the heck out of you. And, and because I respect you, I want to talk to you about this. You know, weed is a part of my life, you know, and it's something that I partake in and it's not something I need you to partake in or want you to partake in, but I also don't want something I do to be a threat or concern to you. And I just want to have a conversation with you about how that makes you feel. Does that make you feel threatened in any way? Is that a concern for you? Does it put you on edge? Is it something that, you know, you don't want around? Is it, um, is it something that, you know, scares you? Is it, is it a potential trigger for you? Um, is it something you're comfortable for me to do when I'm just not with you? Mm-hmm. And when I'm with you, like, what would the, be the parameters that would make you comfortable with this? Just being clear about boundaries, like any other facet of your relationship, you know? I mean, I think that's what it really comes down to is just making sure that you're very clear about your boundaries and just creating a space where your partner can speak clearly about their boundaries is what's important. 
Um, I think one of the other things that's really important and, and helpful as far as boundaries is also making sure that you have a very clear boundary between yourself and cannabis, just like, you know, someone who is in my own experience, dating someone who is leading a sober lifestyle, I was quite evident all the time of how I showed up in relation to, to you, to that person. And it was one of those things where I, I never wanted to be way altered and not be on that same level because then you're missing these big connections. And so I think, you know, not only analyzing like, okay, what are the boundaries around my relationship in cannabis, but what are my personal boundaries with cannabis and how am I going to make sure that I'm showing up and being respectful to myself and to my relationship? Yeah, absolutely. And and if you're maintaining a, a high level of respect for your own well-being and your own boundaries, that's going to reflect well on the relationship. I mean, to draw from a personal example between you and me, if uh, you know, if you had showed up to my house and you were like, "All right, well, let's, you know, just before dinner, hold on, I'm just going to smoke real quick," and you whipped out like a four foot bong and was just you know <laughs> ripping multiple <laughs> bowls to your dome and like sitting down like. You know, like a vegetable <laughs> next to next to dinner, like barely able to move. That probably would have changed things in a hurry. You know. Yeah. I I can't even like you know an entire time that you and I dated. I can't even recall a specific time where I was like, "Whoa, you got really stoned that time." You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure it happened, but like I I don't even recall that being a thing. So it's because I'm highly responsible. Yeah. Well, good for you. <laughs> um. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just just respect for yourself and respect for your partner. I, I I think one of the things I struggled with early on was when people would approach me on certain things is I would compare it to like when you meet new people, you know, when you meet someone, you walk up to a group, maybe it's a group of people or it's someone you've wanted to meet for a while and, and you walk up and you introduce yourself to that person and you really focus on how you say your name. You're like, hi, I'm Ben Williams. Nice to meet you. <laughs> and then you take a step back and like the conversation resumes and you're like, crap, what was their name? You know, because you were so focused on what you were saying. Yes. You, do, do you ever have oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think everybody does to a degree where like they're they're so focused on like, oh, I got to nail this introduction. I got this, I got this, I got this, you know? And then they're like, who are you again? You know, like, <laughs> I know yeah. we just did this, but and I know 10 I seconds ago lot. we did the name exchange thing and I, I just blacked out when you spoke. So could you do that again? You know, for some reason I, I noticed early on and, and I still noticed to a degree that if somebody asks me, they're like, Hey, are you okay if I smoke? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. So like, cool. All right. And then they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I appreciate you asking. It's it's really kind of you to be considerate, and I'm totally good with it. You, you do you. I mean, like, appreciate it if you didn't like hotbox the bathroom, but like, you know, like, yeah, you do you. Um, uh, and they're like, okay, great. And then the next day, it's like, hey, so I need to ask you something. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, what's up? And they're like, do you mind if I smoke? And I'm like, yeah. Did we? I thought we talked about this yesterday. Did we not talk about this yesterday? They're like, no, no, we did. I just wanted to ask, and I'm like. Okay, look, I really appreciate it, but you don't have to like, you don't need, you know, you're not in middle school going to the bathroom. You don't need a hall pass every time. Like he, if yeah, I say yes, you're good. I was thinking good. you were you know like, I mean? they got high and then totally forgot they'd had the conversation. That could you. happen too. That's just comedy. And <laughs> that's just me. That's kind of the benefit of being sober a lot of times is like, is, you know, especially if you go out and it doesn't happen when people get high that much, but it happens more, you know, on like big nights where people go out and big parties. 
And they're like, oh, that was rough. And I'm like, yeah, let me tell you exactly how rough. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what you did at that bar? Um, I can tell you exactly so, why your head hurts like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, so my, my point is li- listen to the response you get when you have this conversation. And if your partner looks at you and says, yeah, look, I really appreciate you bringing it up. I know you smoke and I don't care. You know, they're mm-hmm. like, great, cool. And then you know, let it go and be. Let it go and be. Mm-hmm. Just keep doing you. you know, do the parts you, you, you love about being in your relationship. Yeah. No, that is that is good advice because I do feel like people a lot of times will, as we say in West Texas, beat a dead horse. And it's just like, you know, have the conversation, be succinct and hiding in the weeds. If you are a woman, then I know that you probably do have the propensity to drone on and on and on about something when you're having a conversation, because that's just part of the way we were made. But don't just keep this one short and sweet and go smoke a bowl and enjoy your life. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. While we're talking about, I'm getting away from the letter for a minute, but while we're talking about just in the early phases of dating, it makes me think of online dating and how we show up when we are meeting someone for the first time or trying to connect with someone online. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious what your opinion is if you are online dating and somebody's profile shows up and if it says that they're a cannabis consumer, they work in a bar or something like that. I mean, is that just an immediate swipe left? Not at all for me. Okay. Um, now, now, here's the thing. Not at all for me, right? Right. And I don't think I'm like unique, right? In that regard, I think there's plenty of other sober people out there that don't care. Mm-hmm. And I think there's plenty that do, right? And again, I think what it comes down to is is it's a personal preference piece. Um, I, I am somewhat unique in certain regards of, of you know, my history. Like I, I, I got sober and then... After being sober for seven years, I went back and worked at a winery for four years. That's not normal. And I, as a PS, wouldn't recommend it for most sober people, but it's an industry I grew up in. It was my family's home. Like it's a place I knew. Um, Mm -hmm. And also I had the benefit of having really strong program early on in recovery uh, to help support me through that. Um, I had the benefit of working in the industry for a lot of years and, uh, you know, and I everyone knew not to pour you a glass of wine. Yeah. Yeah. And even if someone <laughs> did, I didn't, didn't care. Um, you know, I, I always, I've always had the saying that, you know, you know, no matter what it was, whether it was alcohol or, or, or pot or something harder, you know, like it, it, your arms don't get any longer, the longer you've been sober. Right. It's always an arm's length away. Mm-hmm. And at some point you have to not just turn away from whatever substance ailed you in your life, but you have to turn towards a life without those substances. And if you like are embracing the path towards something and not a path away, it's a much easier path. And it, yeah. it was for me in my experience. So for sure, in, in that regard, like, no, I see someone works in the cannabis industry. Don't care at all. It doesn't bother me. Sure. Mm-hmm. What's up? It, but you also like to go rock climbing and I like rock climbing and it's, you know, you brunette and that works for me and blah, blah, blah. You know, so, you know, those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I'm, d- I'm but sure would there's you, people. But after you said, okay, half you think you're someone who doesn't care, but there are people that do. So it's better to just, let's just not include it on our our profile and just let that be a first date experience. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean, I I don't volunteer that I'm 14 years sober on my dating profiles. Yeah. Plural, because, you know, 
There's you, you got there's multiples. It's crazy yeah. right now. You know, the, the hinge thing is all the rage. I mean, it's it's, it's all happening. I can't keep up. Um, I I know I'm getting carpal tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> so you know the 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 things I I'm not volunteering that I'm sober, and I think that's because there is a general stigma against that. Now you know, 30 years ago, you probably, you know, maybe, maybe longer, maybe 50 years ago, you, you probably wouldn't volunteer that, you know, you were highly responsible. Yeah. That would probably get you in a lot of trouble. You know what I mean? Put me in the clink. Yeah. You're damn straight. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, times change. There isn't a stigma attached to being highly responsible now, you know? There's not a stigma. I like to think not. Yeah. Well, I, and, and maybe maybe there is in places, but it is changing. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say the same about sobriety too, which is one of the cool things that, you know, the Phoenix did, you know, changing the perception and the stigma of, you know, addiction and alcoholism and, and, and substance abuse in general, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not an addict. I'm a climber, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm a runner or, or, or whatever you want to be. You're you know? a climber. What? Yeah, I'm not a runner. Let's be honest. <laughs> I went on one run and blew my knee out. Okay. That's terrible. Uh, but uh, yeah, so. It's good that you pointed out the stigmas because one of the things that I hear most of the time when I do a lot of work for a matchmaking firm and I'm around a lot of people in that industry and there is a thing of, oh, this person seems really great, but they're sober. Like, oh, like wet blanket. <laughs> boo. And so, you know, there were some really positive things, in my opinion, about dating someone who's sober. I mean, I always had a designated driver. Major plus. I mean, yeah. who doesn't love that? Right. And, <laughs> and you being sober and have a history of wine, like you could always pick a really great bottle of wine for me. And I got the whole thing. Yeah. Also true. <laughs> yeah. It's handy to know a wine list, you know. But, you know, what are some of the other stigmas that you think are out there about the sober lifestyle? Well, I, I think a lot of people associate sobriety to a weakness. I think people look at someone who's sober and they say, oh, you can't handle casually imbibing in whatever that is. Yep. Um, I think that's true. And, and that's a weakness. I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But I'll tell you what. Well, no, I mean, I think it's true that it's a, yeah, yeah. a, a misconception yeah, yeah, or a yeah. stigma. Yeah. No, but but I'll, I'll tell you what. what's what's not a weakness is being able to like look at yourself in the mirror and say, I have to change who I am to be a better version of myself. That's hard to do. Whether you're coming from, you know, a hole you dug yourself or one you fell in in life, mm-hmm. you know, if you have to change you know, who you are so that you can be a better version of yourself. It's a tall order, you know? It is. And it's exhausting and it's a lot of fucking work. Yeah. And I would say that that to me indicates a, a, a great deal of strength. Um, you know, I, I might be biased, but in, in my experience, people who are living sober, whether it's just simply a lifestyle choice or they're recovering from substance abuse, tend to be some of the most emotionally maximized people I've ever met. And I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but they have this huge capacity for emotion. Like they love fiercely, Mm -hmm. you know, they party 
hard. <laughs> they don't need mm-hmm. booze or, 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 you know, a spliff to get it done. You know, mm-hmm. they cry at the Samsung Olympic commercials. You know, they, they, uh, they feel life intensely. Mm-hmm. And maybe at some point, you know, they mismanaged how they were handling those feelings. Mm-hmm. And they discovered that there was a substance that helped them numb that out. Yeah. I don't fault them for that. And for those people out there still struggling with that, I, I don't fault you for that either. You know, if you if you recognize that and something you overcame, that's that's a, a great deal of strength. And and now, you know, you take all the negative energy that you see addicts pointing, you know, their, their life towards, you know, all, all the all the kind of wreckage that follows people who really struggle. Mm-hmm. And then you, you you shift that and you point that towards something positive. It's a tremendous amount of force heading in a different direction. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, well, and I had a thought and then you started doing that analogy and I I lost it, but oh, I know what it was. It's that idea of like the strength that it takes to be able to shift your perspective in such a monumental way. I mean, it, a 180 degree shift of like how I'm going to live, how I'm going to show up, how am I going to engage with the people around me? Like that's the kind of thing that is a full-time job from the minute you wake up till you go to bed. And that's the way I live. I mean, I don't live a sober lifestyle, but I am one of those people that you talked about the, was it the Washingtonians or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, one of those people so. or the, you know, the people that are like, I, I want to do better. I want to be better. I want to like leave this mark in a way that matters. And so I identify with that way of life. Yeah. Yeah. A- anytime you have an opportunity for self-reflection to improve who you are, I think people take it or they don't. And uh, if, if you've met someone who's, who's recovering from substance abuse, you know that they've decided to take it. Okay, this is another misconception that is kind of alluded to in the letter, is that a sober mate will feel tempted to consume if you are consuming. Mm-hmm. And so just from a, on a really general perspective, if we're talking about, you know, going on a first date and and you find out that someone is sober and you've just established you're on a first date and you're like, okay, well, I kind of like this person. And I want to see them again, but let's pick a better location for the next date. Like, what are some, because whether or not you tell them, hey, you know, I'm not tempted to consume. Like, mm-hmm. that's all, that's just, that's what we've always thought. And that's what's always going to be kind of rattling around in our head. So as a sober person, where are some good places to go on dates where it feels comfortable for both people? Fair question. Uh, sober people still eat. So you could always pick a nice restaurant. Um, and being more of a foodie than I ever was a booze hound, I, I can tell you that never turned out a good restaurant, but, uh, you know, like anything, find something fun to do outside, find something enjoyable in your area. That's unique to your area. Um, you know, we live in the Bay area. I love the Exploratorium place is amazing. Yes, it is. Mostly because I like to feel like I'm <laughs> 10 years old running around and being like, that's so cool. Look at this sciencey thing, you know, but. Find a place to go that brings out a little piece of inner you and see how this person you like reacts to that, you know? That's what I think. That's good advice. If I take someone to the Exploratorium and they're like, ugh, so boring. I'm like, man, you are not going to make it, you know? Yeah, and then if you take someone there and they beat you at all the games, how Mm. does that make you feel? Yeah, that's just disappointing. (laughs) Um, not that that's ever happened to me. I have pictures. 
Okay, so this is an important question. Okay. So she's dating this guy. He's he or she hiding in the weeds mm-hmm. is dating someone who's three years sober. They say he's like, We're cool, let's do this, rock and roll. What would be something that you might notice about someone if you feel like they're slipping in their sobriety or they're starting to feel a little aggro about the situation? Like, what are those like red flags that we might see? Fair question. Fair question. But before I answer that, I, I just want to point out that, you know, hiding in the weeds mentions that their partner has been sober now for three years. That's a good chunk of time, you know, and respect for that. And and hopefully that means that that person has also been working on themselves during that time. So, you know, really, you know, put your fears to rest. The, this person's ready to have a conversation about it. At three years, if they've been doing this and they're still, you know, to use the classic term, white knuckling it, you know, just grin and bearing it every day on mm-hmm. their own and just fighting the internal battle without ever talking about it or working on it, then man, help them out. Find, find, you know, help them have that conversation. But it sounds like this person's probably, probably already had it. So what can you do to kind of keep an eye out Yeah, for, for some of the, that know, way we're respecting our yeah. lifestyle and theirs. You're not their caretaker. Excellent advice. You Mic know, drop. Yeah, boom. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you're not you're not the caretaker. You're not you're not signing on to be the person's mom. You know, you're not you're not. If I start dating someone and they're like monitoring my you know mental health and well being, like, it better be out of concern because they want to like be there to support me as a partner and not because they're like. And how does this make you uh, feel about you know your sobriety being threatened? You know, like I <laughs> that would get old oh fast. My God, yeah. yeah, like you're not you're not there to, to you're not my uh, you know sponsor in a twelve step program kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know, so um, you know you're the person I'm dating. So you know, don't worry about it. I mean, if the person's like, hey, let me take a hit of that. You know, that's a pretty big red flag. Maybe there you're like, <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm high. Did that just no, happen? You know, like, and I would say this because that's, I, I know people that that's happened to. I mm-hmm. know people that have been dating someone who's been sober. And then that person was like, you know what? I'm going to have a beer tonight. Or like, I, I'm, I'm going to pack me a bowl. Will you? Or, or, uh, I'm, I'm on your left. Pass it over here. You know, wh- whatever. Right. And I know people who have handled it differently. My, my view on it is I handle it the same way I handle, would handle someone who, you know, would try to bomb a cigarette off of me when I, when I used to smoke if I knew they'd quit and be like, dude, you can smoke. That's on you, but you got to go find your own cigarette. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you want to smoke. That's you, that's up to you, but I'm not giving it to you. I'm not giving you your first smoke. If that's something you want to do it. And then maybe ask the question, like, why, why do you want to puff? You know, like, do you want to puff? Cause you think that's what you have to do to be normal with me. Or do you just feel like having a puff and you, you, you think this isn't a thing for you anymore? You know? Um, and it would surprise me if whatever the response was wasn't anything more than just a justification for that situation. But who knows? You know, maybe they decided they're ready to move on from that. I don't know. Um, there are a lot of people in the sober community that are experimenting with a doctor, experimenting mm-hmm. using cannabis to get off of opioids and other sure, things. Sure. And so, you know, there is a place in in a cannabis for wellness perspective where that makes sense, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah. The the, the term sobriety is a pretty blanket one, um, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot more nuances to that in people's lives, mm-hmm. just like relationships. You know. So, yeah. So I think don't micromanage, but don't enable. 
and just know where that line is. <laughs> yeah. You know? So. Yeah. I think it all, ju- if you really truly are connected with someone, then it's just a lovely dance that just happens and yeah. you don't think about it. Yep. Yep. But I will say that, I mean, I met you, what, 10, 11 years into your sobriety and you've always just been so rooted and strong. Like it was never a second thought for me. You know, we had the one conversation and I don't think we ever had it again. Yeah. A lot of times it just comes with being self-aware and also reading the silence between, you know, you and your partner. And so I think that once he or she has this initial conversation with their partner that I think it'll all kind of flow. Start the talk. Oh, you know, it's all about healthy communication for a good relationship anyway. So there's one last thing. What kind of language would you give someone who is new in in a situation like this where they're just starting to date someone who's sober? Certain things we call things, what is the language we use to describe the lifestyle, that sort of thing? Yeah, I I I generally default to living sober, sober lifestyle living a life of recovery, those sort of things. Try to be respectful of 12-step programs and just steer clear of that because that's sort of how the principles of those programs work is they, you know, the, the anonymous word is there for the program more than the people in a lot of ways. You know? mm-hmm. So it's, uh, um, try to just sort of be respectful of that. Uh, I, I think it's going to be different for everyone. I mean, yeah. I know some people whose biggest trigger is the word trigger. I'm not even kidding. I thought you were going to say addict. Oh yeah, you know, and and some people are really offended by that term. Yeah. Um I've sat in a room with someone who was you know, popping like bottles of painkillers every day and they couldn't believe they were sitting in the same room as a heroin addict. And I was like, <laughs> you know, you're all basically doing the same thing, right? <laughs> and, uh, um uh, yours is just like medical grade, much higher quality. Um, yeah. But uh, yours is less messy. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it's yeah. So it's uh, it's such an individual and personal thing. It's just and it's again about asking that question. You know, finding out what those boundaries are for that individual. You know, is this something they're comfortable talking about? Perhaps you know this person who's been sober three years isn't comfortable talking about their sobriety, but they're comfortable talking about what they can and cannot be around, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's up to them. So. Right on. Okay. So let's recap hiding in the weeds, your marching orders, according to one sober bin <laughs> <laughs> are very straightforward. It's just have the talk and, you know, be good to yourself before you have the talk. Don't, don't be anxious about it because you, you know, either way, this is going to work out for you the best way it can. You're going to have the conversation and you're going to find out your partner is not comfortable being with someone who smokes, in which case, you know what? It's really good that you get to the, uh, you know, the end of this early relationship quickly and you can rip off on. the bandaid, rip off the bandaid, you know? So I think that the term is get off the pot, but maybe that's not shit or get off the yeah, pot. Yeah, if we yeah. want to just yeah, I mean, go on and say it properly. <laughs> I don't know if that's like radio appropriate. Well, we're yeah. podcasts. We could say whatever we want. Oh, that's cool. Which by the way, I was in Austin and, was on the old morning show that I used to work with. And I dropped the F mom twice within like 45 seconds. They had wow. kept having to dump. Yeah. Cause you just get so used to saying whatever you want on a podcast. Impressive. And then, mm-hmm. Yeah. So open air. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, 
So have the, you know, hiding the weeds, have the conversation, be good to yourself and just know that it's working out for you the best way it can. You're either going to rip the bandaid off and get to the end of this very short lived relationship and you'll find another wonderful man or this wonderful man will be like, yeah, I know. <laughs> no big, don't worry about it. And the anxiety that you're experiencing right now is just going to be gone no matter which way this goes. It's, 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 it's over. So that's the exciting part. Have the conversation, uh, you know, be respectful and just try to understand what the boundaries are that, you know, your partner wants you to respect. I couldn't have said it better. Wow. Really? <laughs> Unbelievable. High, that's high praise coming from one Joanna Newding. Yeah. Now you can mic drop. Okay. <laughs> The Love Mary Jane Column and Podcast are created and produced by yours truly. Feedback feeds the flame of Mary Jane, so submit your cannabis-related relationship questions or sticky situations at lovemaryjane.net. Thanks to my highly capable sound engineer, Arnav Gupta, and to my highly talented friend, Seth Walker, for the show vibes. You can find the Love MJ theme music, All That I'm Asking, on Seth's album, Sky Still Blue, however you listen to music these days. I hope you'll join me next week for more. Love, Mary Jane. Mike, check. Mike, Mike. Okay. And I'll just turn off your microphone until... We're ready that way. <laughs> okay. Oh, now I got to read the letter. No, nope. and then I'll turn you on. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, so punny. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.